As a medic and as a man, I am all too familiar with the intricacies of love and loss. I also understand the importance of remembrance. At Falkland Monumental, their expert team is dedicated to helping us remember those we hold dear. With over 47 years of experience, service, and craftsmanship, Falkland Monumental is the premier destination for all things memoriam. Each stone is designed with your specifications in mind, meaning that every stone will be truly unique and one of a kind. There truly is no better place than Falkland Monumental for keeping the legacy of those we love preserved timelessly in stone. Stop by the showroom today to get started, or call us at 250-379-2300. You can find us on the web at falklandmonumental.com. We craft today so you can remember always. Welcome to a medic's mind. Hope you guys are doing well. Hopefully your week has been good. I know I'm a day late in the podcast. I know that I promised a podcast to be out on Friday and it is now not Friday. Well, I mean, technically it is Friday, but, uh, you know, most of you are probably hearing this on Saturday. Uh, I apologize about that. It has been a crazy week for me. Uh, a lot of things going on, a lot of moving parts, um, and a lot of things that are just outside of the scope of what I usually do. Uh, my career came full circle. My career as a medic, my career as a, a man immersed and surrounded by life and death. I, uh, I installed a headstone. Yeah, I, uh, I really did. Uh, my girlfriend's family is in the headstone business and they deliver as well as manufacture and create headstones. And they also install them at the cemetery. So I got to uh, tag along um, just to kind of go for the ride and check things out. And uh, I installed a headstone. So my career has come full circle. I feel like that's some closure uh, in, in a bit of irony uh, to the whole thing, <laughs> to the whole thing. But it, it was good. I got to hang out with uh, Sheena's brother, Jarrett. He's a great guy. And her dad, Bruce. Uh, two great guys to be with. It was a good, it was a good day overall. Exhausting. Um, it's pretty heavy work. Uh, sometimes not, not always, but you know, there's some nuances to it that, uh, that I'm just learning. Um, what else has gone on? Oh, Jesus, there's been so, a new veterans affairs caseworker. Um, you know, so learning, learning a new caseworker, that's always stressful. A new psychiatrist or psychologist, that's always stressful. Uh, but I think I found one. I think I found a new psychologist. We had a great session today, like a, an intro session. And I think that that is, uh, 
that that's going to be my new psychologist going forward. So now when I refer to Doc, it's going to be for a different person. But um, I think I'm going to have to come up with a different moniker because Doc will always be Doc. You know, I can't just bestow the moniker of Doc upon another, another, well, Doc, even though they are Doc. <laughs> I'll figure something out. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, it, but it's been a stressful week. Uh, busy. Lots of things going on. I, um, on the less jovial and less comedic side of things, I found out some horrible news. Um, a guy that I served with in the military, uh, a guy that I went to medic school with, and for all intents and purposes lived with for a, a number of years while in training and while in medic school, um, passed away by way of, uh, of suicide and, uh, sad. Um, yeah, pretty sad, pretty tough, uh, stuff. Uh, and especially in, in this particular week, this week being a bit of a, a memoriam for me. Um, I've spoken about him before, uh, Chris, um, a paramedic friend of mine, um, who lost his, his life to suicide, um, last year. And, uh, this is the one year anniversary of that, uh, October 20th. So I, I wrote a story about him. I wrote a story about, um, a time that I spent with him that was a lot more happy and a lot more innocent and serene. Um, and, and I'm going to share that story with you, um, and hopefully you enjoy it. And that's the story that's going to come up next. So overall guys, uh, the week has been, a an emotional ride up and down both with good and with bad, but, uh, that's life, right? I mean, that's the, that's the road we travel. I mean, it's, uh, it's never going to be perfect. It's probably never going to be even keel. But it's just about navigating those things when they come and navigating these these grief spikes and these little things. So part of my way of navigating those grief spikes is by doing this, this creative outlet of being able to create and fabricate a story to to prolong this person's legacy and how important they were to me, but to share a story with you and be able to let you guys get to know them via story. Um, but yeah, it has been a it has been a tiring week to say the very least. I feel like uh I feel like if David Attenborough were watching me, you know, it might go something like this. There among the plains of couches, a lumbering Matthew, lazy, majestic, and horribly wretched. Watch as he moves with imprecision and spastic gait. A truly odd sight to see let's watch you know i feel like that's that's been the week that's been me uh and that's what happens with grief as well it tires you out it really uh sucks the energy out of you but uh day by day moment by moment that's all we can do and i've made it down to my podcasting area to be able to release a podcast so that's a victory that's uh that's a big thing so that's what i'm going to do i'm going to release it I'm going to tell you guys about Chris and uh, tell you a little bit about the time that we spent together, and I hope you guys enjoy it. And overall, Chris, wherever you are, man, I hope you hear this, and I hope you realize how much I love you, how much I miss you, and how much we all love and miss you. This is for you, Chris. It was the last time, but it was a good time. Medic 
You're responding, Code 4. Story time. Okay, it's shortly after eight your time. Come pick me up and we'll hang out for a couple of hours. It'd be good to see you, Henny. I listened as his words slid in through the holes on my phone. I acknowledged what he had said and assured him that I'd be at the airport to greet him. We hung up our phones and I rolled over and onto my back. It was at this moment that I began to feel every punishing aspect of just how hungover I really was. I closed my eyes and tried to take in a few deep and meaningful breaths, hoping that this would alleviate some of the burdensome toxin that now swam punitively through my body. To the contrary. All that transpired next was a desperate dash for the bathroom so that I could avoid vomiting on my bedroom floor. After emptying myself through a series of violent lurches and gags, I pulled back from the toilet and sat with my back, resting against the chilled bathroom wall. I peered down at my watch, looking to see how much time I had before Chris was due to arrive. Four hours. I had four hours to sober up enough to get in my car, navigate along the constricted artery that is the 401, and find a place alongside the airport where I could avoid paying for parking, all the while hoping to stay out of sight line of the roving security detail that pushes would-be parkers from their selective spots. And yes, you heard me right. It was 4 o'clock. That's 1,600 hours. Or 4 p.m., depending on how you like to tell time. And I was just now beginning to wake from the intoxicated flogging of the night before. And had it not been for Chris's phone call, I'm not sure that I would have been awake at all. I'd been on a run of bad booze consumption as of late. The hours of my day were apportioned by way of open and closing times as opposed to that of any other marker in time. I guess it would be fair to state that I was in a bad way. I had just quit my job, left my seven-year relationship, drove across the country and was now living in a room with a couch that doubled as my sleeping space. Yeah, I had certainly taken a tumble-down wrong-way boulevard and was steadily careening for Rock Bottom Avenue. But that couldn't happen until after Chris had left. So I pulled my aching body into the shower and turned the nozzle. Relentless beams of cold water began to fall atop of me. I hadn't even removed my boxers yet. Perhaps I was closer to rock bottom than I had thought. Chris was a good friend of mine. He was one of the first people that I had met and worked with upon my release from the army. He was a paramedic too. We started in the same small town ambulance service together. I would eventually leave and start working for the city. He would find a home within a fire service as a dual medic firefighter. The times we got to see each other became less and less, but there were times where we would run into one another in the hallways of one hospital or another. Those times were always a welcome reprieve from the stressors of frontline work. Chris always had a smart-ass comment to make or a humorous story to tell. It made our offload delays with patients that much more bearable. I was currently living in Toronto and Chris remained in Edmonton. He was on furlough and had decided to embark on a once-in-a-lifetime solo trip to the majestic mountaintops of Machu Picchu. He had a scheduled layover in Toronto, and knowing that that was now where I lived, or existed, he demanded in a very crisp way that we hang out for a few hours before the departure of his next flight. If I'm being honest, I really was looking forward to seeing him, despite the weighted ailment of my hangover. He was always a good friend to me and had helped me out through some tough times back west. The man was more like family to me than he was just a friend. 
In fact, when my breakup had initiated itself, he offered me a room in his house, rent-free, just to help me out. The first night I spent there, he ordered two extra-large pizzas, four bottles of pop, and made sure to charge a second controller for the gaming console. He really did have my back, both on and off the ambulance. First hanging I ever attended to was with Chris. We saved that one. The kid lived. later, I was drunk in a country with the way, trying to outrun my problems, and Chris was about to fly in just to try and make me feel better for a few hours before setting out on an adventure of his own. He could have likely used that downtime to sleep, but instead he asserted that we were to get together and was not taking no for an answer. After lumbering around my shanty, I had managed to get dressed, finish the remnants of a warm beer found on the counter, and make my way to the airport. Luckily for me, Chris arrived as scheduled and met with me before having any dealings with the parking lot Nazis. Jenny! Hey, Chris. Damn, it's good to see ya. Okay, let's find a place for a drink and some grub, but first, your place, cause I gotta take a creamy shit in your bathroom. Oh, cool, you saved that for me, did ya? Like a steamy soft serve, baby. Well, I just threw up in my mouth. Uh, again? Again? A little hungover, are we? <laughs> no, man, not a little. A lot. Well, let me take a shit and then we'll fix that with a beer or two. Let's go. <laughs> okay. 10-4, brother. 10-4. Driving with Chris in my car, it almost felt like we were back at work. Our banter flowed effortlessly and with hilarity. Although laughing made me want to puke, I was helpless against a chuckle or two with Chris around. We made it to my place, and Chris did in fact violate the porcelain sanctuary of my bathroom. It smelled like an expired hard-boiled egg had farted in an outhouse. In August. Henny, I got something for you. Oh, is it by chance air freshener? I jested. <laughs> Shut up! Hang on, let me see where it is. Chris said while rummaging through his carry-on bag. He began grunting and mumbling to himself before shooting a bewildered stare up at me with his hand still planted in the opening of his bag. Ah, fuck, man, I must have forgotten it. What's that? I asked as my brow descended with intrigue. I'd gotten you a fire shirt from a firehouse. You asked for one a long time ago, but shit, I think I totally forgot it. Oh, jeez, man, no worries. Thank you, though, thanks anyway. Fuck. Okay, first beer's on me, Henny. Let's go. Chris and I made our way to a dingy old alehouse on the upper side of town, staying close to the airport. The inside was dim, but thanks to some low-hanging chili pepper lights, the bar was made easily visible. We took up residency atop of two wobbly bar stools and placed our order. 
There was a live band that played at a reasonable level in the far corner of the bar. They weren't particularly good from what I remember, but that just added to the overall appeal of this place. We sat and joked with one another and I listened as he explained all the things he was going to do while on his trip. It was during our second round that Chris even attempted to coax me into going with him. I told him I didn't have the funds and he offered to pay my way. I won't lie and say that I wasn't tempted, but I just couldn't bring myself to say yes. As I was taking a generous sip from my bottle, a female voice broke in from behind me. I spun around to meet with it and investigate, but by the time I had turned around, she had already moved. She was standing to the right of Chris. Her hand rested on his shoulder. She was smiling and looking at Chris without any intent of blinking, I swear. I could hear her flirt a little with him as she used the pads of her fingers to graze along Chris's back. Her fingers traced along the lettering of a shirt that spelled, Fire Rescue. So tell me, Blondie, are you really a fireman, or do you just like the clothes? She queried libidinously. Chris, not being one to embarrass easily, nor back down from a challenge, flirtatious or otherwise, inflated his shoulders a little as he sat back in his stool. He was now grinning furtively. I don't know, Henny. Am I a firefighter, or do I just like the clothes? Chris said, now looking back at the would-be seductress. Her eyes danced over to me for confirmation. I couldn't help myself. Well, you know that song uh, with the cop and the native guy and the construction worker? You mean the YMCA? She replied. Yeah, that one. Well, uh, Chris is in a cover band with three other gay guys, and they are incredible. Oh, fuck you, Henny. We both doubled over in laughter. He punched me playfully on the arm, and even the woman to Chris's right left for his snicker. (laughs) But no, seriously, are you a fireman? She said as her laughter fell back into concentrated inquisition. Me? Yeah, I'm a fireman. And a medic. I'm just in town for a short visit catching up with a buddy of mine. Henny, the best medic this side of the Rockies. Chris pontificated while placing a comforting hand on my shoulder. He knew that I was not currently working as a medic. He knew that I had burned through all my sick time squandered away my vacation days and was now considered an administrative burden to the department. But none of that mattered to Chris. He knew that it mattered to me, though. So he made sure to offer kind reassurance that he knew me to be a better version of myself than I currently was. Chris's way of showing me some love. The woman stayed for a few more moments, but when she realized that Chris was not at all interested, and seeing that I was the only other option, she retreated back to her table of onlooking friends. We were left alone for the remainder of our time there. As I was mid-gulp, Chris looked at his phone and exclaimed, Shit, we gotta go, Henny! Flight leaves soon! I nodded and finished the remainder of my bottle. We paid and went to the car. The ride back to the airport was less jovial and more directive-oriented. This, too, was reminiscent of our time on the ambulance. Sometimes after the bad ones, you just sit beside one another and say nothing while listening to the working wail of the engine.
I pulled up out front and slid the gear shift into park. Well, here we are, buddy. Enjoy your trip, take lots of photos, and stay safe, yeah? I said through boo-stained breath. Well, you know it. Hey, Henny. Yeah. Here. Chris began wiggling in his seat. I didn't know what he was doing at first, but it would reveal itself that he was removing his shirt. He now sat, pale and with dad bod, in the passenger seat. He extended his hand over to me, and crumpled within it was his fire rescue shirt. My face fell into a confused crumple. I forgot to bring you one, so here, take mine. Seems to work on the ladies around here. Go snag yourself a good one. Chris was quite literally giving me the shirt off his back. I thanked him while he stood outside, retrieving another shirt to wear from his bag. He told me that it was no problem and that he would see me when he got back. That was the last time I would ever see Chris. A few years later, on a cold October day, Chris died by way of suicide in his home out west. The demons of life and the ghost of the job had caught up with Chris. He was now in need of rescue. No one knew it. I reflect on our night together quite often. I was so focused on the drink back then that immediately after Chris had left for his flight, I returned to a bar. He flew. I plummeted. Had I known that that would be the last time I would ever see my brother, I would have done things so differently. For starters, I would have given him a hug, told him that I loved him and thanked him for being a good partner, a great friend, and an amazing comrade. I miss Chris. The world truly is a lesser place without him. He was not perfect nor squeaky clean. He was just a guy doing his best in a bent out of shape world. He chose to wear the shirt Rescue and live by its creed, dedicating his life to saving those in need, including me. I don't drink anymore and I no longer work on the front line. But if ever I close my eyes and think back on it, I begin to smell the diesel of an angry engine. 
I can hear the roar and groan in my ears. And along with it, I hear Chris clearing intersections for me, his booming surfer tone informing me that the coast is clear. Hit it, honey. We're good. We did some good things together, he and I. There are people alive today because we were on shift with one another. But sadly, today, Chris is no longer alive in body. In spirit? Absolutely. I can still feel him around me whenever I sit still enough to reflect. And there's not a bar stool in this world that does not bring back memories of that night together. I don't know what's out there. I can't tell you what happens when we close our eyes on that last day. All I do know is, I miss my friend. I often like to pretend that those that I have loved and lost are somewhere serene and perfect. That they are happy and free from all that plagued them while they were here. And with Chris specifically, I like to assume he's killing it as the firefighter in his heavenly YMCA tribute band, dazzling the crowds in the clouds. Young man, there's no need to feel down. <laughs> Even as I say that, I can hear his inflection. Oh, fuck oh, you, fuck Henny. You, Henny. Followed by a tap on my arm. Chris, I love you, brother. Be well and be still. Thank you for your service. But mostly, thank you for your friendship. Until we meet again, rest easy, dear brother.
in the 